right, all right. Go ahead and make your way back to your seats. We're going to get started. As you make your way to your seats, uh, I want to welcome you once again to Province Road. Uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, welcome. Uh, my name is Blake Hilgenfeld, one of the pastors here, and we are very grateful and thankful uh, that you have joined us this morning. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one on the seat in front of you. The verses will eventually be on the screen as well. But I do encourage you to uh, open up a Bible or a Bible app and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Now, uh, this morning we are starting a new series called In Christ. And so this is our hope for us as we uh, go throughout this series. First, our hope is that as a community of believers that we grow in a deeper understanding of the gospel. And so as we're going to see this morning, the foundation of the gospel is union with Christ. So in other words, when a person comes to faith in Jesus, first and foremost, we are united to the person of Jesus. And as a result of being united to the person of Jesus, all that he is and all that he has done is now ours. He becomes our life. He comes and he lives and dwells within us. We are united to him, and therefore, as a result of being united to Jesus, we are then united to his life and his death and his resurrection. All that he is and all that he has done is now ours. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. And this is huge for us to understand because under our understanding that Christ is now our life, that we have this, this new identity in him, that begins, that truth should change the way that we live from now on. Because if Christ is now our life, and he lives and dwells within us, then the Christian life then is one of putting to death our old life and putting on this new life which we have, which is Christ. All right, so that's kind of the direction that we're going. The next few weeks, we're gonna be looking at how we actually uh, put to death our old self. The following week, we'll look at how we are to put on this new life in Christ. We're gonna to see too that as a result of being united to Jesus, we are now formed into a new community. We're a new community of believers. We also have a new attitude of, of thankfulness. So all of these things come as a result of being united to the person of Jesus. And so that's what we're going to, to look at over the next uh, few weeks of how this union with Jesus, our identity in him begins to change the way that we live as individuals, as, as, uh, as a new community, and then within this city. So uh, the first thing we're going to look at this morning is verses 1 through 4. So let's read these together. Colossians 3. Verse 1 through 4. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says to the church in Colossae, he says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you will also appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Father, we ask as we look at your word this morning that you will help us. That you will help us um, through the work of the Holy Spirit to give us eyes to see, to give us understanding of this new identity that we have in Christ. That we have died. And all that Jesus is and all that he has done now defines who we ultimately are. 
And Father, as we're going to see, we, we, we know that this is, a pretty, this is radical. And this, is, this is hard for us to understand. And so we just ask for your help in understanding this truth. That we are one with you. And all the value and the worth and the love and acceptance that we long for, now we have and receive in the person of Jesus. And may that be good news to our souls and our hearts and our minds this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some of you may know who Ralph Waldo Ellison is, but in case you do not know who he is, he is best known for a novel that he wrote called The Invisible Man. Now, this novel won the National Book Award in 1953. And during an interview, he was asked this question. Would you say that the search for identity is primarily the American theme? And he answered, it is the American theme. Now, even though this interview was done over 66 years ago, it's still true for us today. The search for identity is the American theme. It dominates our thinking in our lives. We will do whatever it takes to prove that we are somebody. Who we are or who we want to be or become dominates our thinking, dominates our lives, and it drives almost every decision that we make because the mindset of our day, what the world teaches us in our culture today can be summed up in that you are what you make of yourself. Now, our passage this morning is giving us a completely way, different way of thinking. It's giving us this radical, and as I hope to show by the help of the Holy Spirit, a better way of understanding and answering this question, who are we? As we're going to see this morning, the answer to the question, who are we, isn't ultimately found in ourselves. At least it shouldn't be. It actually has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with what we can make of ourselves. It's actually found outside of ourselves in someone else. And so what we're going to see this morning, the primary ultimate identity that we long for, that we're searching for, is not found deep within ourselves. It's not found in this authentic self that if we live out, we'll actually find the value and the worth and love and acceptance, significance that we actually long for. But it's not, it's not found in us. It's found outside of us. Because as we're going to see this morning, to discover who we really are can only be found in relation to the one who made us. And to be found in him, as we're going to see, gives us the identity, the value, the worth, the significance, the love, and the acceptance that we all have been searching for and longing for in all of our lives, in our positions and titles and careers and money and parenting, spouse, whatever you name that we search for identity to find our value and worth and significance, we are going to see this morning that in the person of Jesus Christ, we get the value and the love and the acceptance and worth and significance that we have been longing for and looking for. So Paul's saying, so what, this is what he's laying out in these first four verses to the church in, in Colossae. He, he's reminding them of who they are. He's telling them and showing them where their ultimate identity is now found. Look at verse one. He says, if you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things of the earth. And so the apostle Paul, writing to the church in the city of Colossae, is instructing these believers 
to seek and set their minds on things that are above. And so in other words, he's telling them to seek and set their minds on Christ who is seated at the right hand of God. Now, this does not mean that he's asking them to no longer care, to no longer think about the things in their lives and only, only think about heavenly things. He's not, he's not telling them to, 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 to have their minds just live in, in, in the sky. What, what he's doing is he wants to reshape their mindset. He wants them to see and remind themselves so they can have this mindset to set their minds on Christ who is seated at the right hand of God. Now, why does he want them to do this? Well, because he wants to remind them and show them of who they actually are now. So set your minds on Christ Why? Because they are no longer the center that defines who they ultimately are now. The the world no longer centers on self. Their true identity now is found in the one who is seated at the right hand of God, Christ Jesus himself. He is now their life. And that's the next thing that he tells them in verse three. Look at it. He says, why should you set your minds on Christ? Why should you seek the things that are above? Because you've died. And your life is hidden with Christ and God. And he says, when Christ, what does he say? Who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Guys, this is absolutely radical. And and to be honest with you, this is really hard for us to see and understand and believe because it's so foreign to our Western mindset. What Paul is telling them is that they have died and Christ is now their life. So they are no longer defined by what they can make of themselves. Their their true identity is no longer found in their names, in in their lives, in their accomplishments, in their successes, in their performance, and even their failures. Their true identity, the true value and worth and significance and love and acceptance they long for is now found in someone else, not themselves, not in what they can do, but it's ultimately found being united and connected to the person of Jesus Christ. And he wants them to change their mindsets. He wants them to, to see and understand of who ultimately defines now their value and their worth and significance and love and acceptance that they're looking for. And if we are in Christ this morning, if we have faith in Christ, if we have been connected to the person of Jesus, we too are to change our mindsets. We are to change the way that we think. We are to now understand and see who we really are now. And who are we? Well, we have died and we have been connected to Christ. He is our life. So what does this mean? Listen very carefully. What's it, what this means is, is if you are connected to Jesus, if you are united to him, then what that means is this. This is, this is so important for us to understand. All that Jesus is and all that he has done, boom, is now yours. He is what ultimately defines you. So your ultimate identity, your ultimate sense of value and worth and significance and love that you accept and acceptance that you long for, that, you, that we look for in identities, we look for in titles, in our, in our names, to be noticed, in our careers, whatever it may be, that is not what ultimately defines our value and worth and love and significance and acceptance anymore. We are now defined by Christ. 
his accomplishments, his successes, his performances now define who we are because we're connected to the one who has the ultimate sense of value and worth, Jesus Christ. And as a result of being connected to him, all that he is and all that he is and all that he has done is now yours. Now, mind's blown, right? This is, this is kind of high up in the sky. So let's get down. Let, let, let's get down a little lower and, and try to understand this a, a little bit better when it comes to, to the way in which we see ourselves. Now, let, let me give you an illustration that I hope will help us understand this. I'm taking this from the book called Union with Christ, written by a guy named Rankin Wilborn. And he says this, he tells this story. He says, I have a friend who used to be Mickey Mouse, all right? So she was the person inside the Mickey costume at Disneyland. Now, reflecting on her time in Mickey, she said, growing up, I thrived on behavior modification. So I thought, if I'm good, well, then I'll be loved by others. If I'm bad, then I'm going to be rejected by others. So she said, I learned to wear this mask and portray this certain type of person. And not to show what's really going on because my core beliefs were that I was not worthy, accepted, or loved. So I'd have to clamor and manufacture ways to elicit this positive response that I wanted from people. But when I put on Mickey's costume, I got the positive response that I wanted times a hundred. So she felt safe, she felt loved, she felt accepted, she felt valued, she felt honored. Why being in Mickey? Guys, can you relate? I mean, not necessarily, you know, being a Disneyland and being able to put on that costume, though I have had the opportunity to put on the cow costume at Chick-fil-A, and I can understand what she's talking about, right? People love, or they actually, kids hate at times, right? They're scared of that. So I didn't, get the, I didn't get the response I wanted. But listen, can you relate of having to be this certain person in order to receive the value and the worth and the acceptance and the, and, and the love that you long for? I mean, why do you think at times we set our minds on external beauty to look a certain way? Well, because we want to be noticed, right? We want to be valued. And when other people notice us for the way in which we look, it makes us feel good about ourselves. It makes us feel valued. It makes us feel worthy. And so we set our minds, we become consumed by the way in which we look. Or others of us set our minds on Facebook and Instagram to paint this picture for our, for, uh, of ourselves for the world to see. Selfies of ourselves all dressed up, right? And like uh, pictures of ourselves and our experiences. Why? Well, those comments matter, don't they? They matter because those comments determine our value and our worth. They matter because we, when we feel noticed and when the people comment about how we look or or our experiences, it makes us feel valued. It makes us feel wanted. It makes us feel significant. And so what do we do? We set our minds on these things and we go back to them over and over and over and over and over again because we believe who we are on social media will ultimately give us the value and the worth and the love and acceptance that we long for. Others of us set our minds on having to be perfect. Anyone feel like you gotta be a perfect person? Come on now. I feel like I got to be this perfect pastor. 
You got to, you feel like you got to be this perfect mom. Students, you definitely got to be a perfect student, right? Got to be a perfect spouse. Like the girl in the Mickey costume, we feel like we have to portray this certain image, this perfect image. Why? Because I am nothing, guys, if I'm not the pastor that I want to be and the pastor that you want me to be or that others expect me to be. I want to be noticed as a good pastor. I want people to talk about my sermons. Why? Because I want to matter. I want to feel valued. I, I, I want to feel significant. I want to be loved. I, I want to be accepted. And if I'm seen as a good pastor, man, I'm going I'm, I'm to receive that value in the words of the long for. But if, but if someone comes up and says, hey, that sermon was absolutely terrible, it's like, boom, I'm crushed, right? I, I don't get the value in the worth and love and acceptance I long for because I'm finding it in being this great pastor. It's bankrupt. It's not going to give me what I ultimately want. This mindset is exhausting, isn't it? having to be this perfect person to portray this perfect image as a mom or student or whatever it is. Why? Why is it exhausting? Because it's never good enough, is it? I'm never going to be the pastor I want to be. And I'm never going to be the pastor that others want me to be and expect me to be. And you're never going to be the mom or dad that you want to be and others expect you to be. You're not going to be the student that you want to be, husband or wife, employee, whatever it is. You will never be who you ultimately want to be to find your value and worth and significance in that identity. But we keep striving, don't we? We keep striving because we're overwhelmed and consumed by success. Why? Because the world tells us that success defines ultimately who we are. We believe success will give us the value and the worth that we long for. I mean, you are what you make of yourself, right? I mean, isn't that the, the, what the world teaches you? Especially college students, I mean, that, is, that dominates the culture of the university. You are what you make of yourself, but it doesn't ever work because it's never good enough. It's like this endless cycle, right? In the cycle of trying to be enough and, and do enough to find our value and worth and significance in who we ultimately are or what we want to, to, to be. And you know what it does? It ultimately just leaves us in this place of this fear of failure. Anyone fear failure? Why? Because failure threatens our hope of finding value and worth in who we are and what we do. And the world tells us that you better not fail because if you do, you're gonna lose your identity. If you lose your identity, then you're gonna lose your value and the worth that you long for. So it keeps us trapped. It keeps us exhausted. It keeps us, all of us in this place this morning, hoping and longing for, for, for something that actually works, that actually frees us from this exhausting pursuit of perfection and performance. Anyone wanna be free from this pursuit of perfection and performance? I mean, anyone want to ultimately find some value and worth and, and significance and, and love that you long for that's not actually found in yourself or what you can do or, or hidden within yourself? Anyone long for that? That's, that, that, that? Do you find that apart from what you do? Here comes union with Christ. And it offers us the value and the worth and the love and acceptance that we all long for, not found in ourselves, not found in what we can do, not found in what we can accomplish, not found in titles, not found in careers, not found in positions, not found in money, not found in anything in this world, not found anything in ourselves, but it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. So like Mickey, but infinitely better, right? Put yourself in Christ and what do you see? 
I mean, use your imagination. Use the truth of being in Christ to ignite your imagination. I mean, picture yourself standing before the one who made you. I mean, picture yourself standing before the one whose voice is infinitely more important and infinitely more uh, uh, better than any, anyone on social media, than any peer, than any parent, any colleague, any boss. And what do you see? What do you hear? Do you see Christ representing you before the Father? You are hidden in him. Christ covers you. Therefore, you no longer have to be ashamed to stand before a holy and righteous God. You no longer have to fear his rejection of you. Why? Because Christ covers you. He covers you with his beauty. He covers you with his perfection. He covers you with his holiness. He covers you with his goodness. And he covers all of your shame. He covers all your failures. He covers all of your regrets. And you are accepted in him. You are forgiven in him. You are clean in him. You are new in him. And you are deeply, deeply loved in him. Like the father who runs after his lost son. The father runs after you and embraces you in his son and puts a ring on your finger. And you know what he does? He calls you son and daughter. You are now, as a result of being in Christ, you are a deeply loved child of Almighty God. Can you tell me anything else that will give you that value and worth? He delights in you as he delights in his son. He rejoices over you as he rejoices over his son. And he welcomes you. Do you see this? Do you hear this? Guys, this is what you get as a result of being in Christ. This is, this is how the Father sees you as a result of being connected and hidden in his son. This is who you are. This is now your value and worth and love and significance, not found in yourself, but connected to the one who is ultimately supremely valuable. Let me give you another illustration. Martin Luther loved to talk about marriage to show this relation to being united with Christ. And he says, this is what happens when a person by faith comes to Christ. So it's like this story of the great king and a harlot. And this harlot cannot make herself the great king's wife by anything within herself and anything that she can do. Actually, if she looks within herself, all it tells is, is really her rejection and no acceptance of the great king. But by the great king's vow, she becomes his. And as a result of becoming his, she turns to the great king and she says this most amazing, profound, radical statement. She says, all that I am and all that I have done, I give to you. All of my sin, all of my regrets, all of my failures, all of my shame, all the things that call and demand my rejection, I give them to you. They are now yours. And you know what the great king says? They're mine. I take them. And in exchange, I give to you all that I am and all that I have. Listen, like the harlot, 
the great King Jesus offers us this invitation. If we turn away from ourselves and we look to him, he offers us this vow. And then he takes away, takes upon himself our sin, our death, our condemnation, everything that demands and calls our rejection of God, the one who made us for himself. And he gives to us his righteousness and his death and his life, his perfection, his forgiveness and love. All of these things now come to us and we get this eternal relationship with the great king in his eternal kingdom. And if we've received this invitation, guys, we can say this right now. And we can say this when we stare death in the face. And we can say this when we stand before the great king, I have sinned greatly. And there's nothing within myself that deserves your love and acceptance and value and honor and worth. Actually, if I look within myself, everything that I am deserves God's rejection. But we can stand before the great king and now say, you know what? All that I am is yours because you are mine. All of my sins, all of my death, all my condemnation, everything that is, is mine is actually now yours and all that you are is now mine. Guys, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That only in the person of Jesus Christ that we can receive this beautiful and this life-changing reality that we can be united to the great king. And we can belong to God in Christ. You know, we can call God, the almighty God, maker of the heavens and the earth, our father. Again, what in this world can give us this kind of value and worth and significance? If you are in Christ, you are royalty. You are loved, you are forgiven, you are redeemed, you are new because you are one and hidden in Christ. Do you see this? Have you received this invitation from the great king? If so, set your minds on Christ who is your life and turn from chasing after cheap invitations that uh, this world tells us that we're going to find our value and worth and significance in and set our minds on Christ and be consumed by him because life isn't about us anymore. It's not about our names. It's not about our accomplishments. We've got something so much better. We have something that the world can never give us and something that, that we can never find within ourselves and even, even within our accomplishments. Listen, what you make of yourself may satisfy you for only a moment but it will end. I mean, you can search your whole life to, to obtain a certain career, a certain title, a certain position, whatever it may be, and you may get the value and the worth and significance that you long for, but it's going to end one day. The only thing that will last forever is being in Christ, you are deeply loved, forgiven, new, clean, valued son, daughter of God that will last forever. And one day Paul says he's gonna return. He will appear. And when he does, we will no longer have to strive to set our minds on Christ. We are no longer to strive to, 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 to remind ourselves and to see who we ultimately are in him. Because when he returns, when we see him face to face, we'll finally become like him. And we'll finally experience this never, in, never ending, never interrupted 
interruptedness. Is that a word? Never interruptedness. It is a word now. Never interruptedness, joy of knowing and experiencing and tasting the love and acceptance that our great king has for us right now. But until then, the call in our lives is to set our minds on Christ, to seek and set our minds on things that are above. So what does this look like, guys? What does this look like in a crazy, hectic, everyday life, right, of trying to set our minds on Christ? Well, I want to give you one spiritual practice or one spiritual discipline that will help us to seek and set our minds on Christ, and it's called meditation. Now, the meditation I'm suggesting is not one of emptying your mind, all right? It's the exact opposite. It is, it is one of filling your mind with the truths about who Christ is. Because the verb that Paul uses in this text to seek and set means this continuous ongoing effort. And so what this means is, is that we are to make every effort, by the help of those spirits, we are to make every effort to continually set our minds on Christ by meditating on the truth of who he is and who we are in him. Because here's the truth. Listen very carefully. What we set our minds on determines what we seek. All right? Let me say that again. What we set our minds on determines what we seek. So, for example, if we set our minds on pursuing a sinful desire within our hearts, what's going to happen, guys? We're going to seek after it, right? I mean, if you set your mind on on, on believing that something other than Christ will give you the value and the worth and love and acceptance you long for, what are you going to do? You're going to pursue it with everything that you got. You're going to seek after it. So if you believe that your career is going to give you that, then you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna put everything else aside and you're going to pursue that career above everything else. Why? Because you, find, you believe that you're going to find your value and worth and significance and acceptance in that. So what we set our minds on determines what we seek. So ask yourself this question. What do you think about when you have nothing else to do? So when you're walking alone to class or when you're driving in your car or your hour lunch break at work or yeah, 30 minutes between your kid's naps or when you're changing your kid's diaper, right? Or kind of these, what do, you, what do you think about when you have nothing else to do? What, what fills your minds? Listen, if it's not the truth about who Christ is and who you are in him, you're going to start believing lies about yourself and God. Because this is what's going to happen. The enemy is going to come and he's going to be whispering lies. Happens all the time, every day. And we don't really realize it. The enemy comes and begins to whisper lies. God is not faithful. God is not good. He's not for you. He'll never love someone like you. He wants nothing to do with you. You are a failure. You are condemned. You are guilty. All of these things that are not true of you because of your union with Christ. So what do we do? We have got to take those lies and we've got to replace them with the truth by setting our minds on Christ and setting our minds on the truth about Christ. And where do we find that? We find that in Scripture. That's why it's so important for us to understand and meditate and memorize the truth of God's word because it's the same instruction that Lamentations chapter three gives to us. The, the, the writer of Lamentations says, but this I call to mind and therefore I've got hope. And what, does, what, does they, what, do, they, what do they call to mind? 
The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Guys, this is what's true. The love that the Father has for you if you're in Christ will never cease. Why? Because he will never cease loving his son. And God's mercy and grace towards you are new every morning. Why? Because the son has purchased the endless supply of God's grace and mercy for you as a result of being connected to him. That's what's true of you. So fill your minds with the truths about who Christ is and who you are in him. So let me encourage you this week, guys, to take these first four verses and memorize them. Maybe not all of them. Maybe that's too much to ask, right? Maybe just a portion. Maybe you just take Christ is now my life and you think about it. You meditate on it. When you forget about it and all of a sudden it comes back in your mind by the help of the Holy Spirit remembering, putting it on your mind, then you just think about it. Don't beat yourself up for not thinking about it for a period of time. Just go right back to it and begin to think about it. Christ is now my life. What, is, what does that mean? Who is he? Oh, he's, the, he's, the son of, he's the son of God. Well, I'm connected to him. I am a child of his now. So you take those truths and you meditate on them. You continually put effort into memorizing, meditating the truths about Christ. Why? Well, as Paul says, set your minds on Christ. Seek the things that are above. Why? Because you've died. And Christ is now your life. And the act of remembering, guys, is the great power of our minds. It's what we can do. And so we make every effort to remind ourselves of who Christ is and who we are in him. It is crucial that we develop this discipline of meditation. Today, tomorrow, as we go, coming weeks of this series, Christ is now our life. He is what defines us. And that's good news, amen? Let's pray. Father, this truth for those of us who by faith have been connected to your son that we are found in him that we are hidden in him that Christ is now our life is news that we on one hand see and taste the sweetness of it but on the other hand we struggle to believe because we still have this sense that our identity is found in us. It's found in what we do. It's found in who others expect us to be. It's found in this mindset that in order for us to truly seek an identity, we've got to find the authentic self. The reality is, Father, that everything that we hope for, everything that we long for, this longing for value and worth and significance and love and to be accepted and a sense of belonging can only be found outside of ourselves in the person of your son. So, Father, we ask that you would help us as we continue our time this morning and as we leave this place and as we go throughout this week the Holy Spirit, that you will help us by bringing these truths to our mind to help us to remember. And as we seek the things that are above, when we seek Christ, that you would help us, give us understanding of this reality and this wonderful, amazing news that all that Jesus is and all that he has done is now ours. It defines us now. 
And I know that's a big concept. It's a big truth. But Holy Spirit, would you begin to apply that to the deepest parts of our soul that we may truly find freedom and joy in Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. This morning as we take the Lord's Supper, as we break the bread and as we drink the juice, these two symbols, the bread and the wine, the juice, they represent not only what Christ has done for us, but it represents who he is for us now. And it represents who he is for us tomorrow. And it represents who he is to us when we stand before him face to face. And it also represents his presence with us. And so as a community of believers, we do this together because we are united by the same spirit. Christ lives and dwells within us. He is alive. He conquered death. And his spirit unites us together, unites us to him. And so as one body, his body... We come this morning and we celebrate his body broken and his blood shed and we celebrate his resurrection that unites us all to him and unites us together. And so this is what I want us to do this morning. I want us to be very mindful as we come and as we partake of the Lord's Supper that we do this in community together. We do this as one. We have the same spirit, Christ's spirit lives and dwells within us. So there is this communal, there is this community aspect of coming and taking the Lord's Supper. It's bigger than us individuals. It's us as a community of believers. So we are involved in something so much bigger than our own lives. We're, we're involved in something so much bigger than our own story. Because if we're connected to Christ, we are now involved in, in his story. And we are in this together. So I want you to spend some, some time thinking about that. I want you to spend some time connecting on this, that truth, that Christ is now your life. You are hidden in him. And how does the Father see you? What does he say over you right now as a result of being in a son? Rest in it. Preach it to your heart. Find the freedom and joy that comes from being connected to Jesus. And when you're ready, I want you to come together as a body and take the Lord's Supper. Now listen, if you're here this morning and you've never looked to Jesus, you've never placed your faith and trust in him, you've never looked outside of yourself and to Jesus as the one who gives you the ultimate value and the worth and love and acceptance significance that you long for. But let me encourage you by this. Let me say first and foremost that if you look within yourself and if you look within yourself to find any hope to being accepted by God, you will not find any, any hope of acceptance. Because everything within you demands your rejection, God's rejection of you. Because as you look at your life, it's, it's filled with so many regrets and so many failures and so much uh, sin in regards to uh, your uh, rebellion against this God. And the truth is, like, nothing in this world can give you that value and the worth and the significance and love that you long for. Careers, maybe for a moment, but they will end. Whatever you look to in this world for those things, it won't, it won't work. But in the person of Jesus Christ, 
by faith in him, you can come to him and you can be hidden in him. And all the things that you regret in this life, all your rebellion against a holy and righteous God can be covered by his blood. And he gives you his perfect righteousness, which therefore God can be just in accepting you into his presence and accepting you into relationship with him. He's your only hope. So if you've never come to Christ, now's the opportunity. Flee to him. Come to him. Be found in him. Because one day you will stand before a holy and righteous God. And what are you going to say? What are you going to tell him? That you are a good enough person? That you are kind enough? It's not good enough. Because God demands perfection. He demands righteousness, perfect righteousness. And in his son Jesus, he offers you that righteousness and perfection that you need. So come to him. Be hidden in him. If that's you, if you confess your need for him and you come to him, then come and partake of the Lord's Supper this morning. But if that's not you, if you need some more time, take the time to reflect on who Jesus is. But when you're ready and you're in him, come together and let's celebrate who he is for us.